Um, I have to score my books, you guys. Talks amongst yourselves. Okay. Um, I have to go put my salsa in the fridge. Roman, talk amongst yourself. So I was um, walking through the hallway today, and uh, I looked down at one point, and there's there's this pencil on a bench, and freaking the f- out. <laughs> That's me talking amongst myself. That was really good. That was really good. <laughs> into the comics place presents a perfectly acceptable podcast brought to you by you need to go faster if you want to get this over with in 15 minutes like we did last week <laughs> i don't think i'll ever be able to fly quite to the heights that the two of you have i'm like a uh, old person i'm like your parents driving a car you know like don't give me feedback i'm fine and anytime you do, I'm just going to tell you I've been doing this for longer than you've been alive. So back off, um, which is not what I'm saying to you, Jago. All feedback. No, it's okay, welcome. everybody. Jeff's blinkers on. Uh, all feedback. Welcome, Django. You can put it in my office, which is a bathroom because, because I have no class. But what I also want to imply is that your feedback should go in a toilet. Comics Place presents a perfectly acceptable podcast, Cradle of Civilization, Mesopotamia. We are very excited to be here with you this week after a couple of quick back-to-back weeks. And I've got a story for everybody. Before we go into that story, we're going to introduce ourselves. I am always am Jeff the Barbarian. I am usually Django the Demon. Yeah. And I am Roman the Centurion. Yeah, you are, you wise horse. Bunch of Ians. Um, and before before I get into my story, we're going to check in with our good friend, www. Ilya Mayer. Hello and happy episode 317. Last week, episode 316, I missed it. Django thought it was episode 318, so he totally missed the opportunity to do some sort of 316 joke. I missed my opportunity to do an Austin 316, but you know what? He talked about my rippling muscles enough that I don't need to ask a professional wrestling-based question. Instead, this week, I was reading one of these Marvel preview catalogs that came along with my comics this week and you guys know i'm more of a marvel boy than dc boy Mm -hmm. most of the dc books i read are written by people named tom otherwise i generally don't read them but i was looking through these marvel books and just couldn't find myself getting too excited about a lot of things and i realized it's because there's just a whole slew of new writers for marvel that Mm -hmm. i haven't really equated myself with so my question this week who's a current marvel writer or upcoming writer that maybe is on your radar that you really think i and others should give more of a chance to and see if maybe they're the next big thing turn up love you guys awesome great question from william elmer i love that guy i also pulled up marvel's june solicitations just so we can go through some of this stuff does jed Um, mckay count yeah he's in a new school of writers for sure he would be on my list for for marvel writers who can hold down a series um yeah uh the big thing in the june solicitation is ultimate invasion written by up-and-comer jonathan hickman oh i heard of that guy 
and throw his name in the mix. Um, let's just let, let's look through some of these. Ultimate Invasion. We got the new Incredible Hulk series written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, who did the War World uh, Superman stuff and is doing action comics right now. Yep. We got Black Panther number one by Eve Ewing. I don't know too much about her. I've read some stuff from her, but I, I don't have a lot to say. She's mostly co-written with Al lately, right? I would believe that. I would believe at least that. they did a handful of things together, I think. I guess this might be <clears> books that are coming out this month because on this list is Dan Waters, Loki number one. We like Dan Waters. Yeah, I like Dan Waters a lot. Yeah, I was I I don't know if I like him as a person more or his work more, but he's a guy I, I will read anything he writes. Kelly Thompson's doing Captain Marvel. Of course, we love Kelly Thompson. Steve Orlando, I can say I do not like Um <laughs> Jed McKay is doing Avengers. I would I totally echo Django's sentiment about Jed McKay being kind of one of the preeminent um, preeminent Marvel writers right now. What about Jackson and Lansing? That's who I was going to say. I like them a lot. Yeah, are they doing Guardians right now? <clears throat> oh, that's, yeah, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they did I the Kang. Oh, okay. That, yeah, they did that Kang series you really liked. Christopher um, Cantwell's been doing more Marvel stuff. We like him. Yeah, yeah he's doing the Hellcat series right now. Yeah, I think, you got Gary yeah. Jerry Duggan doing Iron Man. Oh, and then Kenlin and Lansing are doing Captain America as well. I should be reading that, I guess. Um, Al Ewing has something new coming up, I think. But I can't remember what it is. Yeah, of course we love that guy. Um, Yeah, I do think that we are in sort of a spot of transition for Marvel. I mean, Ryan North, who's writing Fantastic Four <laughs> and did Squirtle Girl. He's a guy we like. Christopher Cantwell doing Hellcat. I think we're in kind of a transitional period for a lot of companies right now. Like image seems to be finding a new footing. Um, and DC is, is starting like relaunching everything. It's kind of, kind of a strange moment in the industry in my mind. And there has been a, a push within Marvel specifically, probably DC as well. I'm just looking at this list, but there, there has been a lot more like female writers. So I think they've gone out of their way to like find more voices. So I think that we are still kind of in this spot of transitioning to finding new voices and just and diverse voices in general. But yeah, there are like just flipping through these solicitations. There are a lot of writers whose names I'm not super, super familiar with. And I think that some of that comes from trying to find new voices uh, within comics. I think DC stays a little bit closer to home though. Maybe not. Yeah, I guess I guess they just they just are are rebooting things. I guess it's less of a creator thing and more of a creative thing yeah. for DC in my mind. Yeah. But it is interesting. There's there's not like, you know, your Bendises and Brew Bakers and Hickmans and Reminders and Jason Aaron's, you know, like there's not that sort of like class of PhD students giving lectures, you know, it's sort of like, oh yeah, we got a bunch of new TAs. That we've noticed so far. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, yeah, for sure. Like, and we're like still it's totally it, possible exactly. that that one of these people is going to blow us away and we'll go back and, and find the nuance in what they were doing before. Totally. Um, I'm looking at this Fantastic Four annual that's in the new catalog. And for some reason, I never thought of Johnny Storm and Ghost Rider hanging out. But it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, fire will do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Roman, yeah. check this out. I went to a <laughs> wedding this weekend. I was best man in, in Austin's wedding. And we had a really good time. But for some reason, on the first night, we were all staying in this big house. And I guess I just like slept on my wrist wrong or something. There was a personal trainer in the wedding party with us. And my wrist was like kind of swollen and really hurt. It still actually is like limited in mobility and really hurts. He was like, yeah, dude, it seems like a sprain. Like that, that seems like you that happens. Like people can totally just like mess up their wrist and their sleep and sprain it. So 
I was nursing this kind of injured wrist. So on Tuesday, I went in and Django was like, yeah, you should like, you know, have Sean help you. Like, don't mess up your wrist anymore. You've only got one body, he said. And I thought, oh, that's wise. Django's a wise man. He says and that to me a lot. He does say, especially in the last <laughs> several days. So I'm in there at the <clears throat> beginning of Tuesday, cutting open boxes with a box cutter. And I'm doing it with my left hand, which is stupid. But I was trying to take care of my wrist. Yeah. And I'm like halfway through the boxes. And I put my right hand across like where I'm going to oh. cut. And I cut it and i cut a very significant and deep cut into the tip of my right middle finger like i was immediately concerned that i'd cut the tip of my finger off because it was like yeah. very deep and on the tip and it was like immediately bleeding really bad and hurt exceptionally bad so i like sean was like you got to clean that out so i like ran down to the bathroom and it was like just bleeding everywhere and i like ran water over it and like wrapped it in a paper towel and like got it dry enough to wrap it in band-aids. And I just put like nine band-aids on there. I could just got the buddy up and kind of like started to go about the rest of my day. But I started to get like pretty lightheaded and nauseous feeling or nauseated as the word is used correctly. And by like one, I had kind of finished a bunch of the stuff that I needed <clears> to do. And I was like, guys, I got to go do like the rest of this computer stuff at home. I'm not feeling well. So I went home, finished the computer stuff, took a nap, woke up. And it's, by that time, it's like 930 at night. And uh, my finger is like throbbing and hurting really bad. So I was like, well, I didn't like rubbing alcohol or hydrogen peroxide this thing yet. Uh, so I I was like, I should do that and I'll rebandage it then. So I got some <laughs> hydrogen peroxide out, took the bandages off. It started to bleed really bad again. Uh. And I like put my finger in the hydrogen peroxide and it like bubbled up like out of the shot glass it was in. Like it just kept foaming and bubbling. And I was like, well, this is crazy. And so I was like, Sam, we'd like need some gauze before I put these bandages on I'm standing up. She's like, OK, I'll go get some. And I was like, man, I feel weird. I need to go sit down on my bed. And I walked into my bedroom and I fucking fainted. And like all I remember is the sound of my neck and <clears throat> shoulders all cracking when oh. I hit the ground. Oh, and I've got that like geez. broken neck business. So, yeah. So like and, and then then it was totally black. And then I like came to and Sam was like yelling at me on the floor. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like just headstrong. Jeff was like, I must be down here for a reason. Like, <laughs> I guess I wanted to lay down and chose <laughs> to do it right here. I do have a vague memory of like a lot of popping and cracking. And I'm in a lot of pain. <laughs> and like as soon as I was like cognizant, Sam was like, you know, ha had already sent Django a message and was like, you know, calling him or something. And I was like, he wasn't even there. Like, he doesn't know what's going on. We're like, we're good. I was like, we need to get this like wrapped up now, though. And at that point, like blood was just all like covering my hand. Um, so then we wrapped it all up. And then I woke up the next day for work, which was Wednesday to go to work. And it felt like I had been hit by a truck just like on my neck and shoulders. Because like I just went lip and ran into a shelf or something. Um <laughs> and and I was Jane was like, Do you are you sure you need to be here? And I was like, I got this. And then like I was there for like an hour and I did not actually have it. Yeah, I didn't. I was really pale <laughs> and I felt nauseated again and was like lightheaded. So I had to go sit in my car with my head between my legs for like 10 minutes before I was able to drive home. And then I passed out again. It but it was bonkers. Jesus. It was like hurt wrist led to a hurt finger, which led to fainting, which led to the hurt neck and back. And at that point, like yesterday, I was just like whole body was a pain, pain thing. So anyway, I was excited to tell you about that story and our <laughs> listeners. Jesus. Mom, That's, I fainted. So, yeah. So you never went. <laughs> so you never went to emergency care. I mean, 
no no that's not what he does roman he (laughs) he thinks he's got two bodies (laughs) yeah and and it's hard to tell with a cut wound right you don't know how deep it is you don't know uh, what to do no well but yeah if it's bleeding that much yeah you you go to a professional yeah you clean that thing off yet so wrapped up <laughs> not since that hydrogen peroxide three days ago. Needs some oxygen. Do you think so? Cuts need oxygen. I'm like, afraid to let it out again. Well, let Sam let it out. Yeah, I mean, don't look at it. Let Sam look at it. Okay. I'll come over there and do it, man. I wounds don't freak me out much. Uh, yeah, who knows? If let Jared need... do it. That's what yeah, said. yeah, he can do it. Because who knows? Yeah. It might it might have needed stitches or at least some a glue layer or something. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. That that's where I've been. So, what do you guys want to talk about first this week? We got some good <laughs> Keep books. Talking that about came your out. fucking finger, my finger. Uh, You're one guys, of those nub guys. Did you guys read the end of Ambassadors this week? That miniseries wrapped up. Yeah, buddy, sure did. Mark, they have a superhero where they can. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Mark Millar and Matteo Scalera <laughs> and Django Boren on the hype train. Yeah, whoop whoop. It occurred to me while reading this, like, I don't remember at all what happened with, like, that monkey kid or, like, like the first 15 pages of the Frank Quitely issue. Remember there was, like, a truck and, like, a gas station and a monkey and he was, like, a psychic. It must have just been, like, testing, like, a test subject or something, maybe? I guess. I don't remember either. Kind of brought everything full circle in this issue. And the lady who gave everybody superpowers, ex-husband, is supremely evil. He is a butt bag. He is a bag of butts. He yeah. is a like a duffel bag filled with severed butts. Yeah. He's a smart Elon, Elon Musk. Oh, he's like... Uh, Not a, anymore. He's dead. Ed Gaines duffel bag. <laughs> spoilers. Um, yeah, spoilers. He's dead. Spoilers for everybody. <laughs> I, I do want to mention Matteo Scalera did the art in here who famously did all of Black Science. And I thought this book looked really nice. It looks different than Black Science to oh, me, though. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that was the same artist. Yeah, like, it is. It is a bit different. Looking. Black Science has more of a uh, sharp, tall people. Yeah, angular noses. and More yeah, of a yeah. Sean Gordon Murphy sort of style. And this is this is toned down from that. Yeah, I totally agree with that assessment. It is interesting. This book had to be sort of simultaneously created by these five different artists. And... Mm-hmm. You know, that's just interesting execution because Quietly had to work on this issue for over a year. But like just in terms of like different characters drawing people and there's like slight differences in the way people are portrayed. I think that it kind of made it a little bit harder to track like her ex-husband who was drawn and kind of like different weights over the different issues um, or just like the different ambassadors themselves. You know, I'll give Mark Millar, Miller, Millar, Millar, Mark Miller. Full credit for having really good final battle scenes. Yeah. Like, no matter what happens in the rest of the comic, whether you like the rest of it or not, his final battle scenes are usually pretty rad. This one has a nice use of those powers. It's got a nice setup where they have to stop a tidal wave, and they're all kind of dumb about stopping a tidal wave because they're brand new to being heroes. It's got a nice way of killing the bad guy. The one thing that kind of bugged me about that scene... Yeah, what was it, bud? You know how they say that everybody is the good guy in their own story? Yeah. Yeah. There's no fucking way these bad guys think they're the good guy. Like, there's no justification for it. He's just a petty fuck. And that, I mean, it's it's comic books, so it's fine if it's a little arch. But this was a lot arch. It was definitely arch. It was basically saying rich people have paid to have immortal health and, and unlimited powers. And that selfishness, they don't want anybody else to have it. 
so and it like admitting it cover it yeah yeah, yeah. But it, it is it is a little arch <clears throat> which is a fun word to use that way i agree so i, I like, like that, that the very end said the end of volume one i really like that too i just wanted to point that out this is so there is clearly a next volume and it, i'm sure we'll cross over in the big time thing roman what'd you think i liked it yeah yep Good I, like, you. <laughs> I like i like the archness i like uh I know they're easy targets, but, you know, sometimes it's just satisfying to see truthful portrayal of, of scummy rich people. Was it in Buck this bags. book where it says, if you have to eat the rich, start with the vegans? <laughs> I think so, comment? yeah. I think, okay. I think yeah, just that was like, in here. I, I, <clears throat> I will say not all Mark Miller pro- premises make me want to read the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's been a wealth of them that I haven't finished, like King of Spies. I didn't finish Prodigy. Um sharky the bounty hunter but even if he has a premise that is like moderately interesting to me i always love the ride and you know i was talking about it with uh nemesis reloaded like it's just the perfect type of irreverence like it's well-meaning offensiveness like for me like south park like it's offensive but it doesn't necessarily have a super target on anybody except for the rich. You know, it's like it's, right. it's well-meaning. It just kind of want to makes makes you cringe and laugh a little bit. Uh, and and I think this was no exception of that. And I think he's got writing superheroes dialed in really, yeah. really well. So it's just good, 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 good. I like the the larger word, world that he's building here, too. Um, I don't know that it's going to make me go back and reread two thirds of his output ever. Uh, you know, like I should reread Wanted before this next. I've thing never comes read out. Wanted, but I love I the movie. I remember liking it. Yeah, it's it's like the the first issue is basically beat for beat the movie, and then it then it diverges quite a bit. Ah, pulls an Akira. Yeah. Um. And I yeah, like I don't remember Super Crooks, but I remember liking it. I don't remember Superior, but I remember liking it. So if he's gonna tie all this stuff together and and ha- give us a, that big big game crossover or whatever, I probably have some homework to do. Oh, it's even got the the kids from the night nightclub. Yeah. I mean, if I'm just looking at his body of work here, like Starlight, I love. Superior, I liked a lot. Prodigy, I did like a lot. Reborn, I liked a lot. Empress, I liked a lot. Ambassadors, I loved. Magic Order, I loved. Hook, I loved. Jupiter's Legacy, what I read, I liked. Kick-Ass, I loved. Nemesis, I loved. Like, that's a lot of... That's a that's a strong body of work, Mark. Yeah, yeah. You, have you guys read that little that little indie book he did that kind of put him on the map? Old Man American Logan. American Jesus. Oh, Old Man Logan. Yeah. I have. I like that a lot. That's all time good stuff. And and then all of that while simultaneously creating the ultimate universe, which largely inspired the inspired the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. So Yeah. Good career, bud. Yep. Nice knowing you. He was on Twitter the other day and he was sending out a message. He's like, what artist have I not worked with that you guys would all like to see me artwork, like do art with in a comic? And I was like, you should get yourself one of those Mitch Garrett's guys. But then I was reading Breath of Shadows and I was like, I would love to see Mark Miller with this guy. Oh, with uh, Cormac? Yeah, Alex. Yeah, Cormac. Alex Cormac. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If if we're, yeah, if we're, I didn't necessarily, you know, an act, but it would just be so fun and dark and fit his sensibilities, but. I give Ambassadors number five a nine. I give the overall mini series a nine. And it's hard to get a score less than that, even when only one of your issues is drawn by Frank Quitely. Yeah, I'd give the whole thing an eight and a half. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. I give the whole series so far an eight. I think I'll give the issue six. Um, oh, seven and a half, I think. Nice. Not bad. I do like when we all read a Mark Miller book. Does that mean that we transition over to Breath of Shadows, Django? Did you read that issue? 
I didn't, but I'm willing oh. to talk about it. Roman, did I'm, you read like any of this series? Um, only the first issue that I've, okay. I've missed the others. Well, the I guess so fucking good. I'll only mention that this was the final issue of the series and I won't spoil it for Django. Um, but it's a book that I was always like, I feel like I'm behind on it. And then I would start reading it I'm like, no, I'm caught up and I like it. The art uh, done by Alex Cormack, who we love, is the best part of the series. Yeah. And also makes it kind of hard to read the series because for as much as I love the style of his art, people can look pretty samey. And with the second half of this issue with his artistic tendencies, it got pretty confusing to discern what was going on. I mean, that was kind of the problem with the seventies, right? Like everybody had either big hair or they had dumb, dumb black hair and, and sideburns and they're really hard to tell apart. And that's kind of how you just described the people in this book. A lot of big yeah. noses. Yeah. But the hair also all looks gorgeous. And I just love his style. And for that admitted shortcoming, he does seem to be becoming a better artist with every series he does. So I would love to see this guy get on some larger profile horror books, like with Jeff Lemire or something. Oh, um, yeah. Would be incredible. So I gave uh, this particular issue a 7.0, um, kind of incorporating those shortcomings into it. But again, you got like rock stars, you got drug abuse, you got occultism, you got Alex Cormack. Uh, so I'm going to give the, the series overall an 8.5. And I was trying to think, Django, when I finished this, is this a book that we stock in our store as a graphic novel? Man, I don't know. I think only if you and I are going to sell it pretty hard because it's I don't know that it's something that would fly off the shelves without a lot of hand hand. But I mean, we get care. a lot of people asking for horror books, you mm -hmm. know, and I think it's a good horror book, especially if you have rock star tendons like you know like like reading it's that type. So, so that seemed like a solid recommendation thing but it also seemed like decidedly something that no one would buy off the stand without a conversation so yeah I, it's hard to run a comic book shop you guys yeah you said you said eight and a half for this issue i know seven for this issue eight seven and a half for the issue. series nice i don't know if the trade is even uh solicited yet so we yeah. have a minute to make that decision yeah i don't know i just that's what i think about while reading everything yeah yeah it's his art is so good. And that, that same guy wrote the underwater one too, right? Oh, did he? I think, I think so. Doke. Sea Doke. of Sorrows. Yeah. Rich Duke, D-O-U-E-K. Okay. I'm pretty sure he did. Well, we, we have their number and we love them. Django, that would be a, a really great person to try and call to talk about on the podcast. Cause I do think they've got a career oh, ahead yeah. of them. Wrote a bones too. Yep, Road of Bones. Yeah, same, definitely same, the artist. Same oh, writer duo. too. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so. CSRO, Road of Bones, and Breath of Shadows. So this okay. is the of trilogy. Oh wow, cool. Um, <laughs> Roman, where do you want to head next? You brave soldier. What was your highest rated book of the week? Uh, my highest rated book was oh boy, Loki and FF are pretty much neck and neck. Well, let's talk about one of those. Django, did you read Loki? Didn't I? Didn't. But think you guys should you talk would. about it. Um, I like the I read art. It. Yeah, Germain Peralta on art, Dan Waters writing this Loki's own name branded series. I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of deep affinity for the modern characterization of Loki. I think the last time I enjoyed him was Kieran Gillen, and he was kind of the one who de-aged him. Um, but I knew 100% that Roman would get, was going to read this, and I thought there's a good chance he was going to like it because I also like this writer, so it seemed like it was a good hand. So Roman, what do you think of Loki number one? I hear you gave it a pretty good score. I did like it um <clears throat> it's heavy in the mythology in fact the uh the, the the device driving the plot here is um loki's 
bulky ship that he had built out of the fingernails of um, the dishonored dead that he uses at Ragnarok to to uh, crash into. Um, I forget he he's specifically at Ragnarok want, uses the ship to crash into somebody, um, but a couple of the frost giants steal the ship because it's under lock and key in Asgard. Um, and Loki the, had given all the frost giants books to help them re- learn to read. Yeah, yeah the time. He, he's decided that because he's the god of stories now that all of his subjects should know how to read. So he so he lets them pretty much leaves them on their own devices to learn how to read. And of course, two of the frost giants being dumb frost giants, like mess it all up and decide to steal the ship, but don't know how to do that. Cause they don't, they're, you know, they're frost giants. They walk everywhere and live in the mountains and they've never been on a boat. <laughs> so they, they crash the ship into the world tree and three pieces break off. And now they're floating around in the universe. And Thor tells Loki, you know, you gotta, you gotta find these pieces. Cause they're, you know, mystically endowed and they're sentient in a way. Um, and they're going to cause problems. So Loki has to go off on a quest. Yeah. And I totally agree. I think that he does a great job of leaning into the mythology here because like the whole thing is narrated by the boat and, you know, this boat made out of dishonored dead's fingernails is such an awesome idea. Um, And then like the way he depicts Ragnarok and describes it within this as like, kind of the way I would like people describe theological events, which is like, well, yeah, it's the final battle at the end of time. Also, maybe it's a metaphor for something that's like constantly happening. And it's the like it happened at the beginning of time and all violence we experience now are ripples outward. Or also maybe it's something that's just simultaneously happening at one place or another. Like it was just a really eloquent, like it's not super important what it is. You just need to kind of understand a concept for it. And I, I really like that fluidity with thinking that he presented here. Yeah, kind of, kind of, and kind of leans into the cyclical, yeah, yeah, of it, of it all, because it's happened a bunch of times <laughs> or come close. Um, I like that a lot too, and it's and there's hints that the um, the old classic Loki is still a part of you know young Loki. Um, like there's one scene in here I thought was pretty cool that the artist uh, Thor and Loki are talking out on a street in Florida. And Thor's reflection oh. is just Thor, but Loki's reflection is old classic Jack Kirby Loki. <laughs> and uh, to mention that scene, Django, uh, Thor is like trying to find Loki and he's in Florida. Yeah. And he's like, why? Why do you hang out in Florida? And he's like, well, they just say such nice things about me here. And he's sitting there holding a newspaper and it says Florida man, you know, and then does something. <laughs> and Thor is like, you're Florida man. And it's it's like a, a fun, fun little That's idea. Pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, Roman I, chaos monster. I yeah. was, you know, on the fence about reading it, and by the end, I was totally sucked in, and not like just feeling uh, obligated to read it. Like I really enjoyed it. I sort of, you know, like little scenes, like when he's got his ship that's been damaged, and he it's far away from him, Django, uh-huh. and so he holds up his fingers to his eyes, so it's like pinching it. So like when you're a kid and you squish people's heads, yeah. And then he just moves it and puts it in a jar. Like nice, really cool, like perspective, <laughs> visual, fun Magic stuff. stuff. Like it's, it's, it's very cool. It uses the comic medium. Well, the art is great. Um, it is not written. Like, I think that like the most couple recent Loki series, like Loki agent of Asgard and some other things are kind of leaning into the, like, look how svelte and hot Tom Hiddleston is. And he's hot. Um, but it's not necessarily leaning into the, the chaotic nature of Loki and, I made sure to read the write-up in the back of this because if I'm reading a book for Roman and there's a write-up, I got to read the write-up as well. And I like his approach to the whole thing. 
I'm glad I'm glad you read that. That's cool. I read it, too. Yeah, um, I would hope so. Don't make me lose my faith now. It made me wonder. I, I guess I didn't realize that Dan Waters, 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 I don't know. Pretty that, sure it's Waters. Waters, that he's, um, but it's got two T's, um, that he's British. I didn't know he was British. That's how they yeah. spell it in Britain. Oh, okay. He's, he's British. And I, I did Google just so people can have a little frame of reference. So he's written some Dark Souls comics. He wrote that Cowboy Bebop comic that came out just recently. Um, he's on a bunch of short stories and different uh, DC anthologies. He's Didn't written he do Judge that DC Dredd. Arkham thing with Danny? Yep, he did that one. And he did Seasons Have Teeth, which is coming out right now. And we're enjoying mm-hmm. Lucifer, he wrote uh, recently. From and he's buddies with Alex Pacnadel and Round V, right? Yep. Yep, yeah. and then some Sandman stuff. He wrote the Shadow for Dynamite. Uh, so Transformers, some cool stuff. Like he's got a nice start to his career. He did the picture of everything else, which I don't remember very well, but I remember oh, us talking yeah. about on the comics on that the was podcast a here. Good fucking comic. Um, so he's he's a writer. I think everyone should put in their back pocket and look for and check out because he has a tendency to make me like things more than I would think that I, that I would. And he's good at weirdly high concept. Like I remember the picture of everything else. If you describe that to me, I'd be like, there's no way you could make that work in a comic. And he he pulled it off. It's like the, the it's very meta though. Victorian painter kind of, yeah, it was, it was super bizarro and awesome. Uh, So Roman, what was your score for the old, the old bean? And did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Sorry, man. I just, I love a good mythological story. And this I leans know. into it so much. I mean, there's frost giants and, and dwarves and sweet stuff. I give it and a, like yeah. the book yeah. that he gave the frost giants is like clearly the Neil Gaiman illustrated Norse mythology book. Oh yeah. What gave, they, they were like, Oh, well we read this Norse mythology book and this boat is over here. So we should go find this boat. Uh, like it's, it's, it's wonderfully met us, but what was your score? Sorry. Um, yeah, later Loki is like, these two idiot franchises couldn't, I doubt they could even read. Somebody must have helped them out with this. <laughs> um, it's a comic book. <laughs> uh, I'm giving at least a 9.5. Ooh. At least. I hear at least, Roman, do I have a 9.6? Do I have a sure, 9.6. Oh, I love the way the artist, who's the artist here? Herman Peralta, German Peralta. German Peralta, yeah. I love the way he draws the world tree. Um, yeah. And each of the realms is a glowing colorful ball of light that sounds like a 9.75 <laughs> oh yeah i gave it an 8.5 and i brought it up to a nine because of this conversation um i think i think everyone should check this book out i'm excited to keep reading it it made me much more excited about loki than i thought i would be uh just just Oop, for the pants. sake of uh whatever brayden read it as well and oh. put a uh, score in and and 7.5 all right oh. okay all right sweet um Okay, well then let's go to another one that Django did read that's kind of a high score one that Roman mentioned. Fantastic Four, number eight, Ryan North. This is not who has been the normal artist, but maybe they weren't the artist last time either. No, that was the anniversary issue. It has been Ivan Coelho. Here we have Ivan Fiorelli. Totally. Pretty similar style. Yeah, yeah, I didn't didn't notice a, a change. Yeah. I actually didn't notice that much either. And where are they finding all these Ivans? Yeah, you're right. Ivan and Ivan. Um, I like that this starts out with, uh, Johnny storm trying to build a shape, uh, yeah. to match his, his sister's shape. And, uh, they're, they're just like talking about this. It was a skewtoid, which I would trust Ryan North and believe that it is an actual shape, but I don't know that I could draw it much less make a fire construct out of it. 
I just love that he's got them like training in a meaningful way. Like I always love like with mm-hmm. X-Men or Dragon Ball Z or something like training, like warriors, thinkers like train. And here, the way that they're he's written them to do that is by pushing their mental ability to construct things. Like, Because we mm-hmm. have two people who have the ability to construct anything their imagination can construct. So the only limitation there is their imagination. So practicing ways to extend that is, you know, logical. And I love I just love him thinking about that. Like, I, I don't like the Fantastic Four oftentimes fit a different role for what they do. But the idea of training to extend the scope of their powers, I think, is very cool. And he's been doing that type of thing throughout this run. Do you think Ryan North is okay? Because this is the second, third story in this Fantastic Four series where people have forgotten things. Like, do you think he's working through some family dementia thing or I? I what's on his mind? I didn't necessarily think that. But while reading this, I was like, this is a pretty similar plot than what we got last time. And in like issue two or whatever, where there was like that isolated town. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I think that was even issue one, yeah. Yeah, kind of, kind of interesting. Um, I would trust him to be either building towards something or working through something. Roman Fantastic Four is happening, and you are the official fifth member of the Fantastic Four. Uh, I am I kind of the was, watcher of it all, but I thought that was Willie Lumpkin. Oh, that was a reference I, for all you Silver Age fans. Everybody <laughs> who likes the Fantastic Four as much as Roman just got that joke. Yeah, <laughs> yes, they did. So. <laughs> 52 year old listeners yeah yeah mark wade and um um, morrison and morrison yeah i was thinking of uh i can't remember his name now jeez uh never mind roman the climax of this story involves the villain the mighty zargor is that a pre-existing character or a new creation you know i meant to look that up because i don't know i think this is just a a new creation but a homage to all those 50s marvel monsters it seems so kirby to me especially yeah, like the yeah. alex ross cover it's I mean, very maybe, I, kirby yeah i mean maybe he is somebody that is actually from those comics well, I'll I, Google I don't know while you tell us what happened yeah. in it yeah this was a fun issue and, and now i am curious if uh north is built I mean, i'm i working through something or building to something i think he's building to some kind of big big overall point about the persistence of memory or something um one of my favorite things in this issue is once Johnny forgets that Reed and Ben exist um, and he's got his own version of the Fantastic Four, that's him and his sister and Alicia and his flame construct, Flamo. <laughs> I loved Flamo because it's just a goofy flame guy that imitates Johnny's actions and is under his command. <laughs> yeah, but think about how much more difficult it would it should be to create a a living flame construct of a human versus this geometric shape that they were trying to learn. So like he is so egotistical that he can create himself out of flame easier than he can create a 32 sided shape, you know? I like (laughs) that take a lot, but that take you saying that also made me think about it. Like that's almost like them showing that them training at the beginning of this issue had an output which was like him stretching his ability to generate constructs and now you're right like the complexity of making a human being is much more complex than other things so it's almost like showing some small returns on something he just introduced or not having all that baggage of knowing ben and reed gives him the brain space to make a new thing finally stretch (laughs) ah stretch uh (laughs) um roman were you supposed to say something um, plus it's a nice little kind of homage to the golden age of human torch who used to occasionally mm. create 
flame duplicates of himself. Oh, the torch. Ah, the only thing I don't like in this issue is the last page because it's one of those things I don't think any of us like is when Reed like doesn't have a shirt on and he's stretching everywhere and it's it's gross. I love it. <laughs> I was I upset it. about the last page because I feel like most of this series has been single issue stories and nothing at all gets resolved in this one. And it like after Fast that, X yeah. and and uh, that Spider Man movie, like I'm tired of cliffhangers. Give me a give me a thing that ends, motherfuckers. I could totally see that. I, when I got to the end and realized there was a second part to it, I was like, okay, good for him. Like he's stretching out a little bit. No pun intended. Um, uh, like it's, it's a ridiculous thing to let upset me in in a comic. <laughs> book. Diego, I know I asked you this the last time we talked about this issue, and I can't remember the answer. Uh, the series, but did you listen to the iFanboy interview with Ryan North? Yeah. What I really liked about him talking about that issue, that this writing job in that interview was he was talking about like, well, yeah, I, I started doling out the issues one character at a time because like I know Hickman read every issue of the Fantastic Four before starting writing it. I did not do that. So I have right. been just doing homework on characters one by one. Oh, right. So it's like <laughs> he got the four characters and like the fifth or sixth issue. He was like, all right, Dr. Doom's here now. Like right. he's slowly been creating the voices for the characters. And now he's like, okay, cool. I can do a two part story. Like right. uh, it's, it's a very human seeming instance of easing into a writing gig. And I, like I really like what he's been doing the entire time. So choosing to look at it that way, it's a little gratifying to see like him, him getting more and more comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that is not a, a legitimate complaint. It was just a, a feeling I had in the moment. No, I also read want another him. one. I just also want to mention a uh, follow-up note on Loki. It took me like two days to read that comic. I counted it after. It was 28, page, 28 pages, which is not that many pages, but it took me like three sittings to get through. Um, this book, wow. while very verbose, is always kind of breezy. Like North is somebody I'm like, I still have that unbeatable squirrel girl hangover from where I'm like, okay, how many words are going to be in this comic? Where's and, the five-point font? Yeah, like are there hidden notes everywhere? And his fluidity with storytelling is 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 pretty impressive. I I get it so excited every time an issue of this comes out. I would I would have been easily led to believe that there would have been a larger gap after that very oversized 700th issue like three weeks yeah. ago or something. But you got it. Did, did you find out, Jeff? Was Zargor a previous character? It was just trying to autocorrect me to Gore the God Butcher. So I think it is oh. a new character. <laughs> I googled Zargor and just the word Zargor and got like four results on all of Google. So I think it's a new character. Wow. Yeah, so he did a good job with that. Um, what was your score, Roman? Uh, 8.5. That was what eight. my score was. Oh, my God. I gave it an eight. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Really nice. Can I ask oh. you something? Thank you. Me? Yeah. Sure. Well, both of you. Yeah. Sure. Did, you, did okay. you guys read Hairball number three? Fuck yeah, I read Hairball number three. Roman? Uh, Yeah, I did. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. That was my favorite part of it. <laughs> yeah, that's what Django yelled. I hate walking around with Django because that's what he <laughs> says to women. And it's like, dude, it's not the, it's not the 60s I anymore. I know, you just want to duck behind a rock. Absolutely <laughs> humiliating. Absolutely humiliating. And yet, there's something endearing about him. And for some reason, it seems to work. Um, This book, continues this horrific tale of this young girl in a terribly dysfunctional family and her evil enigmatic cat that is either a protective spirit <laughs> or an evil spirit. And this issue gets particularly dark. But what I want to mention is every single issue of this series, and I think every series that these two creators have worked on together, Matt Kent and Tyler Jenkins, 
is so perfectly paced. Like the amount of words, the way that the brain takes in the art. Um, I can't remember what issue it was this week. Um, It was maybe even Loki that I was like needing to remind myself that like, okay, the story is in words and in pictures. And maybe there was like enough writing and Loki that I was almost on some level, like taking it in as a novel or something. And I needed <laughs> to remind myself to breathe and look at the pictures to, to give me story. Whereas the conversation between ri- written word and art in uh, a book by these two is just like so effortless. They are so good at communicating together and it just blows me away. And then on top of that, this is a creepy fucking story. And my nose is allergy itching, you guys. Scratch it. Scratch that nose, Jeff. Nose, allergies and wounds. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Damn it, Django. Sorry, somebody just walked by outside. Oh, okay. (laughs) Never mind, I know. Um, I agree with everything you just said about it. If if I had one concern, it would be the the way that he shows different... Therapy sessions. Therapy sessions is a little more subtle than I caught on to. Has he been doing that for three issues? Because I only realized it halfway through this one. I didn't realize it to the last page when I was completely confused about who this chick in the, who this adult in the red shirt was. And I started going back and I was like, oh, okay, he's, he's, this is over years and years and years of discussions. Yeah. Several pages before that, she has a shaved head. And that was when I was like, well, wait, she didn't have a shaved head before. Oh, yeah. Man, it makes me think like, your therapist must have a lot of unfinished stories about me and Roman at this point, if that's how therapy goes, where you tell <laughs> he, like four panels of story at a time. He keeps telling me, uh, I'm going to finish all the stories at the wedding. <laughs> he's, like, he's coming to the wedding and I'm like, yeah, you've heard a lot about Roman and Jane. He's like, I'm going to finish all the stories. At the wedding. I don't really know what that means. Oh, yeah. been saying it for like months now. Yeah, this is a uh, Robert Altman movie, Denouement, coming up at your wedding. <laughs> Denouement. <laughs> I love this book. The The shot of that barn on fire is oh. fabulous. Um, the way that her grandma acts after her aunt or whoever it's, it's her grandma, right? It's her staying aunt. with her. It's her aunt. Yeah, yeah. Like the way that she parents this kid, the, the foreshadowing with the teeth, like, yeah, it's so creepy. And like his art is, Janky. his art is, yeah, Janky. like it's, it's kind of brutal and, and, Unforgiving with clumsy. its representations. I want to say clumsy, but it's not clumsy. It's just it's kind of Frank Quitely esque while being not at all like Frank Quitely, but like it leans into yeah. grotesquity in a way that other people don't comfortably because they'd be like, wait, this looks bad. Yeah. And it's so simple and sometimes hard to tell exactly what's going on, but you always know what's happening, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, really, really good stuff. Uh I've loved this guy since is it called Snow Snowblind? Is that what that yep. that early one that he did was? And I think um, Matt Kent just leans on him perfectly because you were like you were just saying like he knows how to use open space and it's janky, but like Kent knows how atmospheric it is and he doesn't yeah. overclutter any panel with words because he knows how much is being conveyed with the art and how much the reader needs to look at the art. And those two have a pretty similar style, I think. So it. It must be interesting for Matt Kent to write a story for someone who's got a similar style like that. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's comfortable. I would think more comfortable. Either more comfortable or there's weird pitfalls for it, you know? Yeah. It's probably like jamming with a musician that you're comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. Roman, cat book? You still like oh, cats? So cool. I love cats. But this thing isn't a cat. Um, 
boy, that picture of her in the in the basement after she's hacked the cat all the bits. Dude. Oh god. And she's all That's scratched so up. Yeah. Uh, it's a spider that, in a cat's body, Roman. That yeah, it is. Yeah, and the covers always freak me out because like this cover, the cat, its left pupil is sideways. like sideways. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even notice that. That's I, I literally <laughs> noticed it while talking about this book. Like it's a cat with a severed hand in its mouth and its left eye is horizontal with its cat eye. Um oh, weird. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so glad that these guys have an imprint at Dark Horse, or Matt Kent does, to be able to explore whatever he wants. Because he he's a writer. Oh my who god, is one of my favorite writers in in the business right now. Wow, you say that, Jeff? I and even though I I look at these covers, I've never noticed it says Flux House up there next to Dark Horse. Yeah, I yeah, didn't realize he, it was a separate. It was an imprint within the last like two or three series. They've had this Flux House imprint. Um, if you like Grass Kings, I think you should read this book. Mm-hmm. We got, I don't know if Jay is reading this book, but we got to get Jay this book because he's got an ab- uh, adopted cat as well, and he loves these two creators. Yeah, and a barn. And he's got a barn. You're right. I oh. gave this book a 9.0, my friends. So did I. Yep, me too. Nice. Dang. That's three nines, boys. That's like 666 upside down. Oh, the cats invaded our brains. Um, do you, each of you guys want to like focus on a book or something because a big so you might notice folks we don't have dc books this week comics fell apart as they are want to do we don't have those so um which means Django's reading stack went down like 40 percent <laughs> um but what that means is that a big portion of my stack was x-men book and i read all of them so i just want to give people a, a slight state of the state of the union with x but i want to do that after you guys get to talk about some stuff did you guys read in hell we fight no tell me about it dude it's john layman and this guy jock j-o-k not j-o-c-k so it's a different jock but i really like his art it's a it's kind of eduardo riso but a little a lot brighter like if you turn on the lights in an eduardo riso story hey jango kind of like this yeah you and i both reference Eduardo Riso being an influence or a, a stylistic touch point for books all the time. For yeah. any of our listeners out there who have never read an Eduardo Riso book, what is a thing for them to check out that is not 100 bullets because it's 100 issues long? I would say the Batman Flashpoint story where we mm. first meet um Thomas Bruce's Wayne. dad Thomas Wayne as Batman. That's an amazing one. I would also say like come into the store and ask us to to buy a short arc from 100 bullets because his art his work in 100 bullets was amazing and most of that book can be read you know without without the larger context we just reference him as an artist all the time and his output yeah. is very small i would also yeah. recommend the batman arc broken city with ed brubaker and and he, yeah he did that he also just did the um the sergeant rock story oh the, right. the evil dead right. sergeant rock Right. Um, so that was, was excellent also. I was thinking about Will Elmer in this question and he read that book. So never mind. He yeah. he has that. All right, sorry, yeah. please continue. Uh this just basically follows a, a kid who um was killed by a frog demon because he liked to kill mm. frogs when he was a kid. There in you go. The, that was a long, long time ago. Um, like in the one room schoolhouse days. I don't know when that was, but uh the one room schoolhouse days. Eighteen seventy three. Nineteen thirties. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, he's hanging out with uh, a couple of other people in hell and they're trying to steal ice cream from an ice cream truck because there isn't a lot of ice cream in hell. So they come up with a good scam to steal the ice cream and then they 
the the final reveal is that uh the back of the ice cream truck doesn't have ice cream in it it's actually an angel oh and uh yeah just a just an, a fun little um heist story john layman i think is always pretty awesome even when he's writing about stuff that doesn't normally appeal to me um and this artist i think this 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 is this jock jok guy is new to the scene and i like him quite a bit so uh i would give this one a solid eight and i'm gonna bring my copy back well, we don't have a ton of them so if anybody's interested in it let us know and we'll we'll order some uh roman did you read anything that you liked that isn't x-men um yes the uh well another little series that we we seem to like every issue but traveling to mars number six um, oh yeah mark how Russell. is that book going it's great it's great you know good sci-fi and one of the things i loved about this issue is he's got um ex-convicts that have been you know saved from their their death row to uh go out in spaceships and follow our protagonist um with the intention that yeah they're just supposed to like knock him off course and keep him from reaching mars and of course they're still gonna die but rather than die in the electric chair they get to die in space um (laughs) but the way he figures out just using you know the ship's computers and the robots to tell him how to and and the guy back on earth one of the the organizers of the mission using physics to escape these guys and mark russell's writing on on physics and just the you know inertia and everything and using these simple tools it's just very cool it's good sci-fi it it makes so much sense and it's you know real and points out how star trek star wars all that kind of stuff wouldn't work pursuit in space and how it actually works and how it's actually the first page is you know our protagonist is like well actually it's kind of boring being pursued because you know we're all traveling in straight lines and it shows him like with the robots going oh they're still in pursuit well that sucks i'll go get lunch Whoever's uh, <laughs> fastest will win yeah yeah but that's you know oh and it has some good flashbacks too of his life in the early days um when he first got together with his girlfriend who was when the series starts says you know left him and, and hates him um it's just such a good series about Jango, are you and... still reading this I, I haven't read this one i might be an issue behind and i didn't have the chance to do enough research to find out if i am or not so i'm at least this issue behind but i like everything that it's led up to it's it's interesting because this series has been so many square boxes and so few word balloons that it was hard for me to jump on jump right into but um every time i read it of course it's it's gratifying and i learned a new aesop's fable through mark russell i just wanted to get a banana watch like roman were there any bananas in this issue um i don't think there were no i had a direct conversation with mark russell about the amount of bananas in his comics for django and i do expect an increase in the number of bananas in his comics coming coming forward i really regret not trying to introduce him to the the term gas lamping yeah that would have been good because i think i think he would have thought that was fun I, uh, Django, I, I, I think we've got a fun bit of banana references going forward. I can't imagine being him and having had the conversations that we had and <laughs> knowing that there are people looking for bananas at his work and not writing more bananas. He's going to write more bananas, Django. Watch I mean, for bananas. I, I send him a Facebook message anytime I find a banana in there. 
Yeah. And sometimes he good. says that it means something and to keep an eye on the rest of the series. And sometimes it pays off. <laughs> sometimes it's just a guy drawing bananas. When, yeah, when I was talking, he was like, no, yeah, I just wrote the artist should have a guy writing a, eating a banana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's a pretty weird thing to write in a script, but I love it. He's a big fan of Leonard Cohen's uh, Everybody Knows album. I, I'm your man album. Fuck. <laughs> Here Comes Your Man by the I'm, Pixies? Yes. I okay. I thought you were a big Dougal by, fan. Yeah. I Am a Man by Eastman and Laird. Roman, what kind of score do you give that book? You know, I'm looking, I'm flipping back through that. There's no, no bananas in this issue, but also there's nobody eats anything in this issue at all. Oh, wait, wait. He's eating breakfast there, but you can't tell what it is. It's a banana. It's a banana it's and milk. It's it just looks like it's liquid. It's liquid banana. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> uh, I give this an eight. No, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll give this an eight. Good solid eight. eight. The Ocho Oct OC. Jeff, what are, are we still doing this little mini buckshot nonsense? Or are we? Hey, uh, is, is, going is, to as long world? as you guys have things to talk about, you should talk about them. Well, are you guys reading Hey Kids comics? No, never I'm just wants. kidding. Nobody wants to hear about that. <laughs> it's pretty good, but nobody wants to hear about it. Right, what about Phantom Road number four? Oh, I read issue three and four to be able to talk about it with you, gentlemen. Dude, issue three was something really special. good. Issue, issue three, three was, was really one of the best good. comics out there. Yeah. Um, this issue four I thought was really good. Also, um, I'm anxious to to just learn everything I can about these characters and and why and what and. Uh, you know what the FBI agent's relationship is to the truck stops that bring you to the other world. And I, I think it's interesting how much more interesting this series has become since issue two. I think issue mm -hmm. one was a bold issue to have started this on because, you know, I think everyone in the shop was pretty vocal of like, that wasn't bad, but it didn't give you much. And even Sparse. issue two didn't give you a lot outside of like Lemire character building, which made you care about characters more than you thought. And right. I can't speak for everybody, but I love Gabriel Walta's art. And I think this is maybe some of the finest stuff we've seen of theirs. Yeah. Um, but with issue three and four, like we're like, oh, we're not stuck in this phantom world. Like issue three and four take place in the real world. And we're trying to not go back to that other place. So real misdirection for what this series is between issues one and two and three and four. But the characters yeah. are so compelling and the art is gorgeous. And again, this is a book that's paced really well. I would totally agree with Django. Issue three is an incredibly fine issue. Um, yeah. Pacing art wise, character Reveals. development wise. Yeah, really good. This fourth issue follows up predominantly with a character we meet in the third issue, because in the third issue, we don't spend any time with the main two protagonists. And we meet this cop. And that's kind of where some of the seeds for what this mystery is are being sown. And then in issue four, we spend a bunch of time with that cop and then the two protagonists. It is great. And it is kind of unlike, in terms of a story, many things I can think of right now. Yeah. It's, it is an unusual story that is both mystery and character based and a little bit horrific, but also just kind of uncomfortable. Um, and very cinematic at the same time. Like I could see this as a movie. It's just like Jeff Lemire. Like as I was reading these two issues back to back, I was just like, this is why we read every Jeff Lemire book. Yeah. Like not a hundred percent hit rate, but like a 90% hit rate. And it, you never know exactly what he's going to give you. And just like May's book recently, or this one or bone orchard, like they're all so different. And they're all so good. Uh, he, he's an incredible writer. And this book is just another 
avenue for him to get to explore an idea. And I'm very happy to get to be a part of it. It feels like some of my favorite bits of Fringe, too. I don't know if you read Fringe or watched Fringe. Uh, it's a little arch for me. Oh, a little arch, is a little it, Jeff? Fringe, A little Fringe arch. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> um, the OC. <laughs> that was a real callback corner, buddy. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Did you read this one, Roman? I did, but I've already, I forgot. You know, you got a lady, <laughs> she's chained up. It's the lady you saw naked in the previous issue. And the kid tries to smash the little bone thing they're delivering. And there's this gorgeous double page spread of her, like getting a download of her entire experience from this thing when she's about to crash it. And there's like a guy in a mask who is torturing or interviewing the cop that we met in the previous issue. And then she gets out at the end and there's a, Oh yeah document yeah. from the government about this project jackknife that we're talking about and all of her stuff is there so it's like we don't really know who that guy was yeah i think even more important than naked she was vulnerable like well aren't you respectful no like it it just i don't the know I that, fanboy that, that, that scene was that, that yeah the i fanboy, the I fanboy conversation about talked really well so when i approached that conversation i totally agreed with what he was saying which was nudity can be used in a specific way in comics and is often used in a specific way in comics, which is to titillate. And I think that nudity can also be used in a way to express vulnerability. And within that specific issue, there was nothing sexual about it, but it was full, like much more nudity than you normally get in a comic. And it yeah. was like a diagonally split page um, that displayed this sort of like uncertainty that was happening leading up to the scene. So I, yeah, I, I totally, totally agree with them and you and I mostly just meant it to 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 be coy. Nikki. Nikki. Wonder if I missed an issue because I don't remember any of what you just described about the nudity <laughs> and everything. I don't know. Maybe you did. That's a page I'd buy. Let <laughs> me find Gabriel Walta pages while you figure out where we're going next. Uh, Roman, what what would you give that issue? Uh, four. I would. I'd give it a seven. And the Jeffrey. Um, I gave this issue. An 8.5. I give this issue a nine. And this series is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Every Everybody should be reading this series. Everybody, yeah. I say. You said a seven, Roman? Yes. Okay. It's been logged, tracked, averaged out. That gives us an 8.17 for the book so far. He uh, belongs to the art collective Cadence Comic Art, which is my favorite people to buy art from. He has not put pages for this series up yet. But when he does, I'm going to try and buy that page. Nice. Because He's... this place prices their pages really well. Uh, CadenceComicArt.com is an art collective for any of our listeners who sell covers and original pages of art. For, uh, usually they have like artists that are signed to them. So like Jeff Lemire is in here. Uh, Wes Craig is in here. And they're, they can be as you know cheap as 150 I think I bought a Batman Incorporated page from these guys for $150. Wow. Uh, this guy's art is from $250 to $300 a page. But if any of our listeners are interested in original art, Caden's comic art, and get a hold of me if you ever want to know more. I don't have a ton of other things to talk about. Blood Tree um, changed in, in yeah, the, I did. what's going on. I'm, I'm, I'm still totally mystified by the art choice on that book. Um, and Love Everlasting yeah, seems to be in a holding pattern. Dude. It's mystifying, dude. Yeah. It's mystifying. It reminds me of Chew in terms of how offset the tone of the story is with the arts being used. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell which movie director directed this story because the art is, it, it just doesn't match up. Um, what about, uh, what love everlasting? Are you guys still reading that? Tell us about that. You guys, I, I, I'm not, 
it's just uh i don't know it was it was a whole issue where she's pretty happy but also mentally ill or um in an alternate dimension it's 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 a different issue than what we've had so far and i like that about it because that series has, has started feeling a little bit repetitive after the first four uh but this is a solid one roman are you reading that um i am and i'm still expecting that maybe at the end she, you know she's strapped she's strapped down held captive somewhere this is all in her head oh you are a pervert, pervert. this is number eight <laughs> Uh, I'd, I'd give this one uh, seven and a half. I that's probably my lowest score for any Tom King book ever. Oh, wow. What about what about you, Roman? You give that one any that, that, any score? Seven. Yeah, that sounds yeah. Seven. Seven. Yeah. yeah. Jeff, will you take us to Krakoa before uh, before we get out of here? Yeah, before we get out of here, I just want to talk to everybody about some stuff really briefly. Okay, so we had three X like kind of premier X Men books come out this week. We had the main X Men series, X Men twenty three by Gary Jerry Duggan, um, Joshua Kassar on art, who I love. Uh, what is interesting is that Immortal X-Men and the main X-Men book are both kind of living right now and following up in the Sins of Sinister arc that we just had that crossed over everything. I think that works really well in Immortal X-Men, who was written by Kieran Gillen, who wrote the Sins of Sinister stuff. Um, I think it still works pretty well here. This wasn't a stellar issue of X-Men, but it was the start of an arc. Well, the second issue of an arc where basically the what we're seeing right now in the main X-Men story is that Orcus, which was the big bad guys in House and Powers with Hickman started, um, is basically running like a smear campaign on the X-Men right now. So they're trying to create events that make the X-Men look bad, even if the X-Men are showing up to try and help humanity, uh, which is pretty like one dimensional kind of um, <laughs> real world stuff. It's like, yeah, getting on Twitter and looking at the news any given day is like what this is. So I don't find this super, super interesting on issue to issue basis at this exact moment. But Gary Jerry has done a good job of like turning these into larger and cooler stories. So we got Nimrod in here. Um, this is following up a little bit. Last couple of pages are following up on the Kingpin showing up on Krakoa thing that was teased at the end of Sinister, of Sinister I think. Um, so that's interesting. I'm excited to see what that is because now uh, Krakoa is harboring the fugitive that is Kingpin. Um, but the most interesting thing of this issue is that um, based on the previous arc, which had Cyclops being kind of genocidal towards the brood, he and Jean have broken up, which is kind of a big deal in the X-Men world. Um, and it, at the end, he shows up on a beach, talk to Emma Frost. She calls him there and he's like, so I guess you heard that Jean and I broke up. And he's like wearing super hot boy stuff and she's super hot. And he just seems like he's ready to get down and dirty with Emma, which is fine with me because those two had a relationship with the new X-Men by Morrison and I support it. But I was also like, man, bouncing back pretty dang quick Cyclops. My favorite part <laughs> of this issue was that consistently throughout this issue, um, there was usage of like 90s X-Men costumes. And I love that. Why? So the big Ishman. Why do I love that? Because I was born in 1989. So those are my favorite things. <laughs> no, how, <laughs> how are they getting away with using those? Uh, I think that like the Krakoan era, they've been pretty fluid with what uniforms they're wearing at any given time. Okay. So in this issue, there is like an X-Men team that shows up that are wearing kind of like matching white outfits with big red X's that are kind of harking back to uh, when Morrison took over new X-Men and they had the yellow stuff that kind of influenced the movies. Nice. Um, but in here, Cyclops and Forge go out at some point. Cyclops is just wearing his like yellow or sorry, his blue outfit with like the yellow bandolier and the boots. And that's uh, one of my favorite costumes of all time. So, it, you know, it pulled on some nostalgia strings. I like that. I don't necessarily love the story. Roman, are you reading any X-Men books right now? Um, no, I'm not. I actually picked up the, these two issues this week, but I haven't read them yet. Cool. Okay. I just wanted to, I sometimes on X-Men stuff, just start blazing ahead, but I want to make sure if you've been talking, you're reading them. I want to hear your, your thoughts. Um, 
Immortal X-Men number 12 by Kieran Gillen is one of my favorite of the X-Men series coming out right now. This one's particularly following up on the Sins of Sinister stuff, but it predominantly deals with the Quiet Council, and it's very just Game of Thrones machinations right now. It's like, <laughs> you know, four people were corrupted by Sinister, so they can't have votes in the Quiet Council chamber. Somebody is possessing Cyclops, or sorry, uh, Colossus right now, and two people are off-world and have given proxy votes to people and Cyclops, or sorry, Colossus, once again, has absorbed those proxy votes. So now, because he's being possessed, there's this whole issue is kind of this, like, coup that's being staged against the Quiet Council by Colossus's brother, who is possessing him and then kind of owning four or eight or four or six of the votes on the Quiet Council that only has, like, eight votes right now. So it was very political. If you're not into that, not for you. If you are, then it was pretty awesome. I liked it a lot. Um, I really liked what Kieran Gillen has been doing in this series, he can be hit and miss for me, but this is great. He also brought back uh, the Rasputin four character from house and powers. who's like the Colossus lady with magic sword. Um, and she's awesome. So this, this issue is very cool and just written in a very interesting way. It was written from the narrative voice being Colossus who's trapped in his own body while somebody else has, you know, using his body and consciousness to execute functions while he is kind of back in the subconscious trying to exert his will to dominate that, which is all like a really cool. I fucking cool... love comics. Wow. Yeah, That's so yeah exactly. Stupid. I yeah. love it. It's awesome, dude. It's, it's so awesome. And then the third one is X-Men uh, Before the Fall, Mutant First Strike. This is written by Steve Orlando. And the, the fall of Krakoa is the next big event. So they're starting to do those things where they tease out little like Before the Fall, like things leading up to it again, this mostly covers uh, the X-Men's falling perception in earth's light, you know, it's Orcus trying to make them look bad. It's them trying to stand up for stuff, but ultimately um, we're seeing a, a fall in uh, the way that the world is viewing Krakoa and the esteem that they hold for it. And then there's this other guy who I don't know, Roman probably does. He seems like an older X-Men person. Um, but anyway, he was a character I'm not sure of. And he's kind of doing he's working for Orcus and doing some stuff. This was not good. And <laughs> um, it was very loquacious in not a great way. It wasn't very interesting. Um, but that's kind of what comics do on these like forced prequel issues. So I think that it caters really well to the people who want to know everything leading into an event. And I think if you're looking at something like Marvel's Civil War, which is the highest selling graphic novel of all time, or maybe in Marvel's history, um, those pre pre leading series do mean something and add a lot of great context yeah. to what you get from Marvel Civil War. So like if you're a completionist for understanding a story, I think this stuff is very great for that. I think if you're like a weekly reader who's trying to keep up with the X-Men casually, I think this is a little bit predatory. I don't know. Predatory is probably a strong word. I just don't like their writing. Um, but uh, but yeah, so X-Men right now, we're gearing up for the fall and coming down from the Sins of Sinister. And if I could steer people in the right direction, I would highly recommend checking out Immortal X-Men and the main X-Men book. And this uh, Zero Lander one was just a one shot. So, you know, one shots leading up to events take as you will i gave immortal x-men a nine i gave the main x-men book an eight and i gave uh before the fall a six and that's to let you go in and do those uh those little bits of data entry buddy yeah you got it that was too Uh, fast for daddy 
That's yeah, too I, fast for I me. I know you're getting old. Here, but... kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> oh, slow down. I, I was waiting kitty, for that. Kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> um, I didn't read any other comics, really. No, other we than... talked about all my, like, 11 that I read. Other than the first three issues of a classic comic book that hmm. was just released in graphic novel form. It's Strangers in Paradise. And... God damn, this is a good comic and totally different like than what we have now. Yeah. Super different from what the, the series and the world has ended up being. Starts as a relationship comic. Yeah. And and like kind of absurd, over the top, hilarious. Yeah, I'm I'm loving it. The 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 characters are easy to tell apart still. And uh the the shitty things that Kachu does to people is uh pretty hilarious. Uh yeah, I'm I'm totally in. I'm gonna read this whole fucking thing. The point to bring up about that is that this week they just released a new printing for how they're going to be releasing Strangers in Paradise. And recently, yeah. for like many years, the only way to be reading it has been these digests and they're mm-hmm. fine, but they are like three quarter size. They've just released omnibus well not omnibuses, but like large trade paperbacks. So it's trade paperback size. What is the issue count in there? Is it like 12? Is it 18? It's a lot. It's, it's a chunky it's one. Pretty big, but also the paper's pretty nice. Let me look here. Um, I would say it's at least 12 issues, but if you have any passing interest in Terry Moore's early work or Strangers in Paradise, which has started his whole world, um, we finally have a good binding to be able to give people. I have not loved the Digest thing for a long time. Our book club is interested in reading it. Um, this is This is a great, great binding. Uh, and and a beautiful beautiful book so i would highly highly recommend checking it out diamond would tell you it well i don't think diamond would because i imported diamond's data but it's uh they're they're reprinting the whole thing in in four volumes oh interesting i guess the whole strangers in paradise so it won't yeah yeah all that other it's still a long run yeah yeah so it's uh i'm looking forward to it yeah diamond doesn't even say how many issues it is well worth the 26 bucks or whatever well um, worth the 26 bucks or whatever What's what the, like 480 uh, pages divided by 12 20 it's 12 issues no I, 20 I issues get up and get it no i've got it right here it says 480 pages 24 24 24 issues 24 issues wow that's a great deal sorry that's just like i already have an omnibus of all of it but now i'm like that's a good fucking deal so have you read it I've not read the entire thing because it's very long, but I've read easily read the first sure. like 36 issues for sure. Have it, you read it, Roman? No. Well, some random issues, but I don't even know which ones. It starts as this like amazing kind of like personal human romance story that's very funny. And then oh, I can't remember how many issues the entire series is, but it becomes like a spy espionage thing, which yeah. makes a ton of sense. And I didn't finish that portion of it, but it makes a ton of sense given the stories that have come after it. Right. Um, but it, it's a very weird, it zags in its tone, um, like a third or half of the way through it, for sure. And it, it's really interesting to see um, Terry Moore's art from this long ago. Because yeah, the bones see, are there, the the cartooning is there. Anything. A lot of what we love about what he's doing now is right there, but it's it's definitely not as dialed in. Any snow yet? No snow yet. Ooh, okay. All right. No snow yet. Rachel Ryan. They said the word snow, castration a lot. Yeah. pretty fun. That guy, that guy. Um, Django, do you want to send me an email for the podcast at jeff at the comics place dot com? Oh, yeah, I can. Roman, could we have anybody else do it? Maybe. Yeah, actually, let's get somebody else to do it. Hey, Roman, shout out. Um, You know who I saw this weekend at this wedding? Oh, 
Nick Wankowski, who lives over in Wisconsin. But when wow. you and I met Roman, he was the guy that I came into the shop every Wednesday with. Wow. What's he doing in Wisconsin? <laughs> he's got a baby. Well, he's got a, a toddler and he's got a second baby on the way. Oh, um, yeah. Married. Um, hoping to move back here one of these days. But uh, it was good to see Nick. Good wow, Lord. I yeah. love Nick. Yeah. Shout out. Oh, shout cool. out Nick. Yeah. Um, Nick. Or anybody, if you want to send us an email, you can do it to jeff at the If you're listening to this podcast and you're doing it from far away and you don't get to see us that often, can you tell us that you listen? You could even just send an email to jeff at and just say, I listen. We'll and read them we, on the um, on the air. We mean, or you could say, don't read this and we won't. But uh, Nick showed me that he's been listening. We got all of them played. So uh, shout out to Nick. We love you. Send us an email and all all of your other listeners. Um, we don't know if there's two of you or 135 of you or a thousand of you. So um, I don't think it's the last one. Wow, well, we could uh, pretend. There's a thousand, a thousand and five of you 1, out there. Thousand listeners. But Jeff at thecomicsplace.com is how you get a hold of us. We want to hear from you. It would make us feel better because we're still here every week doing this. Um, anything else, Django? I don't anything know, coming man. up at the shop? Like, yeah, I, we're going to have uh, Jim Blanchard is going to be doing a signing Love at some point in the next him. couple of weeks. We haven't haven't nailed that down. Um, Alex Gomez is going to have uh, have a signing at the shop in about a month. Um, a couple of local creators. I think when number four of Savage Sheen. the Savage She Newt comes out, we'll have Ken Albury there, another local creator who's cranked out four, three, three issues of comics so far, which is... I mean, listen, no offense to local creators, but I'm surprised when you get your second issue out every time. And uh, it's really cool to see him kind of hitting a, a pretty regular schedule. Um, I don't know, man. Is anything else fun happening, Jeff? Oh, um, Night Terrors. Come read DC Night Terrors. Tell us you want them. Read them. It's basically a big old Dead Man crossover is what I heard. Alex Cormack has also done work for Adult Swim, Oni Press, and KRS Comics. He lives in Vermont with his wife Ashley and their son Danny and their cat Destruction. Hmm. I want him to be on the show. Alex wow, Cormack. Their cat is named after one of the endless. <laughs> <laughs> he did weed magic. What? Oh, really? We did. We even <laughs> had weed magic. Magic. Breath of Shadows, Dig, Crimson Cage, Duel, Sea of Sorrows, Sink, Road of Bones, Crossing, Weed Magic, and a bunch more. Dude, he, like, I think I've read almost everything he's done. Yeah, and you've loved all of it before you even connected those things. Like, you were reading yeah. Sink and loved it. Yeah, Sink was awesome. Uh, Duel was awesome. You like Duel, too. I did. Uh, weed Magic I got because we live in Bellingham and everyone loves weed. Man. So anyway, we'll see you all next time. Thanks for hanging out with us for 317, 318. Let's do that next time. I don't know. Sounds good. Same time, same time. Also, with Andrew editing this and now uploading it, this podcast might even go up earlier. Check oh, your God. feed Sundays. I don't know. Check <laughs> oh, your feed God. Sunday. Uh, I am always Jeff. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. Fuck. <laughs> I'm going to run away from that. This is yeah. Roman running away. Love you all. See you next time. I guess I'm stuck around this fucking guy. <laughs> Join me, Jeff. Kitty, 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 kitty.